You are listening to Terra Signals, presented by Normal Paranormal. I am your host, Justin Bamforth. Beth O'Brien and Michael Brown are two very good friends of mine who have been active in the paranormal community for quite some time. The two of them have an extensive history of investigating both private residences and public places as they counsel others who deal with this phenomenon on a regular basis. Now, coming from a background of interest and even first-hand experience, Michael Brown is no stranger to hauntings because, well, he actually resided in one in the early 2000s. At that time, he discovered that there were real teams of people professionally documenting this stuff. So he joined the well-known East Coast paranormal group, South Jersey Ghost Research, which is where he eventually met Beth O'Brien. Now, Beth saw her first spirit when she was just four years old and has been seeing them ever since. She's a Reiki master, a certified hypnotist, an ordained minister, and an end-of-life doula. But it's her keen intuition as a formally trained psychic medium who has learned how to develop those abilities and use them to help others, which is what we will get into tonight. And that in itself is ironic because Michael's approach to the paranormal, at first, was strictly tech-based. He had never met a legitimate psychic or medium, so he simply didn't believe in that aspect. But the more he investigated, the more he seemed to see, hear, and feel things that he couldn't explain and were also validated by the equipment that he was using at the time. Well, all of that helped him to become a believer and also realized that he himself had an intuitive side. And now the two of them use these psychic abilities and various pieces of high-tech instrumentation to document the evidence that we will look at tonight from 10 years of cases to demonstrate that there is, in fact, something going on in this unseen realm, or what we call the paranormal. And with that very long but equally important introduction, I am pleased to introduce these extraordinary individuals to the show, Beth O'Brien and Michael Brown. Thank you again for joining me. You're welcome, and thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Justin. This is awesome. Yeah. Of course. Now, I understand both of you are also currently studying to become shamanistic practitioners. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. Man, just keep adding things to your resume, huh? (laughs) You're always learning and growing this paranormals and spiritual stuff. It never gets old. There's always something new to learn. What was your very first experience of the paranormal and its impact on you? Oh, well, my first experience was, um, I was like, you said I was really young. I was, uh, you know, around four or five years old and I, uh, saw my great grandfather. Um, we were over my grandmom's house laying on the couch and, and described what he looked like as he actually had red hair too. And, um, my uh, mom said, no, there's no way, you know, because he died before you were born. I'm like, well, why is he laying there on the couch? You know, so that was my very first experience. And then I didn't have another experience until I was about 11 years old. We had moved out to Tabernacle, New Jersey, and I saw um, a Native American girl at the end of my bed. She was probably around eight years old, but I was scared to death of it then because I didn't know what it was. And, you know, I thought someone was in the house, you know, and um, my dad, I was, you know, I would cry and scream because I always felt like there was somebody in my room and he would come running in and there was nobody in my room. So that was my first two experiences that I've had. And then often it was happened off and on through the years, um, mostly when I got older because I was afraid of it until I understood it more, then more experiences would happen. So that's my early ex- experience of the paranormal. Yeah, what's interesting to just to add to what she said about uh, seeing this Native American spirit as a child. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned that your mom also saw a Native American in the house as well at a different time. 
she saw a full headdress yeah. chief standing at the foot of her bed and she could not, she was frozen and couldn't move and she was awake. Hmm. But she doesn't like to admit it. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting about that is uh, we were researching the land because it, the, you know, the land where she lived in Tabernacle was just interesting. So we looked into it a little bit and I found out that um, she lived just off of Oakshade Road in Tabernacle. And that was actually the one of the borders of the Brotherton Indian Reservation back in the day. So, and there are a lot of mounds, interesting-looking mounds around that area. So, so yeah, it was interesting that you, you see Native Americans, and yeah, there's actual documented evidence yeah. that the Indians literally live there in that neighborhood. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is that is very interesting. Well, I mean, Michael, you you talked about, or in the intro, we talked about the you know you living in a haunted location. But prior to that, had you had any experiences? Uh, actually, no. I I was always interested in the in the topic. I know I grew up watching In Search of with Leonard Nimoy, like a lot of us, you know, old people, and uh, and so yeah, so I was always interested in UFOs and Bigfoot and the unexplained and all that stuff as a kid, but never. Never experienced anything firsthand until I moved into that house, and uh, and like I said, uh, like I've said many times, there there was there was it was daily activity. I mean, it was something happened there literally every single day and every single night. Uh, sometimes it would be subtle. I mean, there were interesting things like you would come home from work and put your key. I put my keys in the same spot on the kitchen counter every day, and go throughout you know go with the rest of my routine. And I'd go need to run out to the truck or something like 20 minutes later, half hour later, go to grab the keys and they're gone. They're not on the countertop. They, and the kids weren't around. Like no one else was in the area. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. It took me like 45 minutes to find him. I found him in the attic actually. And so it, was, it began like subtle things like that or a door closing, a window closing, um, lights turning on and off, that kind of, that kind of stuff. And and I think the most profound experience I had there really sort of hit it home for me was uh, a, a friend of ours was over and he was just getting ready to leave. He's standing in the kitchen and he's standing directly underneath of this ceiling fan. And my, my friend was giant. He was like six, five, you know, like 300 pounds, a huge guy. So his head is like right underneath, you know, this ceiling fan. And we were just chit-chatting as he's getting ready to leave and all of a sudden we literally we notice we simultaneously see the light turn off as we hear the pull chain click and all of us look up and we can see the chain is swinging and uh, he just went all right that's it i'm out and just went out and it was right after that when the uh, my daughters were upstairs sleeping and me and my ex were in the kitchen talking about something and we saw clearly what we thought was one of our daughters run through the dining room right next to the kitchen and then, you know, across the dining room and into the, into the other room, into the hallway. And our immediate reaction was like, oh, what are they doing up? This is, you know, they're messing around. As I say that, when we start heading towards the girls' room, I'm thinking in my brain, like, wait a minute, I didn't hear the floor creak. I didn't hear the you know, footsteps in the hallway where it was hardwood floor, it creaked a lot. It was really impossible to move around there silently because it was a really old house, it was, you know, built in 1776. So it had a lot of original floors even still, but it was very creaky. So it was impossible to move around there without making a, a racket 
honestly. And uh, I didn't hear anything. And I'm thinking that to myself as we're going upstairs, go upstairs into the girls' room, open up the door, and they're you know both sound asleep. And it, I mean, it was just as solid as you know, as you or I or anyone else I would see run by a doorway right next to me, you know, in a semi-late room. I mean, it was. We thought it was one of them. Uh, wow. Clearly, wasn't. Yeah. Well, like you know, the the first reaction, right, when you see something like that, is to have fear, to be scared. And I know a lot of people on the outside who are not paranormal investigators, they tend to look at us and think, "How do you guys have so? How are you fearless, right? Um, how do you? I mean, what's the best way to control that fear?" Well, with uh, you mean with us or other people or to help other people with it? Yeah, just like in general, like, like, you know, you see something on a case and a regular person will probably turn and run or they go, oh, no, no, no. And they, you know, freak out. Yeah. Um, but knowing you two and your extensive experience with this, you're not afraid of it. Um, but back then it may have been a little unsettling, right, to experience this especially Correct. if you're not used to it. Do you think that experiencing it more often allows you to master that and overcome that fear? Or do you think it's something that you have to learn, um, you have to actively learn? I think it's combination. I think it's a combination. Um, mm -hmm. By doing it, you understand it more. And because you're there to help the client to ease their mind, so we try, we don't show any fear, even if we may be unsure of something that we're seeing or a little bit afraid. We we're learned, we're professionals, so we are taught or we, and we learn not to overreact or show that fear because then we're not helping people if we get scared and frightened because if paranormal people can't help them with something paranormal in the house, then it's like who, who some, they'll even be more fearful, I think, on who could help them. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people sort of overestimate that fear reaction because, you know, we, we've done a lot, a lot of, of public investigations and helped out people just show them how we investigate and show them how to use pieces of equipment and stuff like that, uh, you know, around at Penhurst and you know, Fort Mifflin and stuff like that. But most people's reaction isn't isn't the fear. It's most per, people's reaction if they see, you know, something move in the corner of their eye is to go like, oh, hey, wait, who's over there? You know, and that actually happened was at Fort Mifflin where I saw Shadow walking into an area where I knew all the people that we were with were in this one casemate in front of us. And so then it took me like a couple seconds for my brain to catch up. Like, oh, wait a minute. There can't be anyone over there because this, everyone that's with us is in here in this room right in front of me. So I think it, your reaction is more often that just kind of confusion. Like, wait a minute, who was that? Or who made that noise? Or who made that door move or whatever? It's It's... It really isn't a fear reaction most of the time. It's just kind of like a, uh, I don't know. I think the weirder things are that happen, the quick, the longer it takes your brain to catch up. So sometimes you, you don't have a chance to be afraid because you're just you know, confused. It's one of those preconceived notions that the paranormal is always going to be scary when in fact it's not. It's more surprising. It's unexpected. Um, but you guys have handled a lot of the more scary cases, as we would describe them as, the uh, the intense cases, the, uh, dare I say, demonic and inhuman cases, right? 
Yeah, we've done a few of those. <laughs> yeah. And they they are scary. I I think people are fearful, especially when they you know they say all oh, their if they don't understand it or, or know what it is, then people can be afraid of their house being haunted or what's in their house, especially. And and that's the reaction. They are afraid of it. I think. I think they're afraid of it. I think it is fearful for some people, or they wouldn't be calling us and asking for our, our assistance. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. There's different types of hauntings, which a lot of people don't realize, right? Um, there are, you know, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the, the certain terms, there are things called residual hauntings, intelligent hauntings, and then these more negative ones. You know, wh why do you think these negative cases uh, or inhuman cases occur? And are those two classifications between like demonic and inhuman, are those entirely different? Well, I believe the demonic ones or negative cases, it has to do with sometimes when, um, you know, we, we're younger and we dabble into Ouija boards or we dabble into witchcraft. And a lot of times when you dabble into those things, or you're not, you don't know what you're doing, you invite negative stuff in. We find out most of the time, 99% of the time, you create your own negative energy and your own negative entity by the life you're living. And then you feed on. If you're living a bad life, if there's drugs, alcohol, um, you know, anything along those lines, if you're fighting, arguing, then a lot of times that's the negative energy and entity in the house. So it depends on how bad you're living your life on the energy level of the negativity that's in your home. Do you think that being more sensitive to these 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 entities, these these energies, do you think you have to be extra cautious and extra protective because you have that ability? Yes, I think when you always have when this happens and you invite it in for some people actually make a pact with the devil they call it. You know, if, oh, if you, you know, you give me this or do that, then, you know, they'll give away their firstborn, so to speak, um, which, you know, which is awful, but it's just a saying. But that happens. They just make this pact and um, they get all these negative experiences happening. And once you do that, there's, it's always like in the background, it's always following. So you always have to put extra protection up, meaning um, you could picture if you believe in angels, Archangel Michael with his sword. Um, whatever you believe in to help, you can pick, help yourself to be protected. You can even imagine in your mind's eye a suit of armor, but you have to believe in the protection because some people use oils, crystals, um, you know, crosses, medallions. They don't work unless you believe in them. So a lot of this is belief factor and your faith. Yeah, I think if you take a, an item, it could be a completely innocuous item, but it might mean something to you and you feel that that protects you and you sort of pour your intent into that item and uh you know and with the express purpose of you know making that thing the focus of your intention and protection it could be something your mother gave you or a family member gave you or your a child gave you it could be just a, some you know some certain cross or a crystal or some holy symbol that just sort of really jumped out at you and you just felt you needed to Well, it looks like we lost our guests. Um, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. So we'll just wait for them to rejoin. Um, it's really strange. Sometimes when you talk about this topic, uh, strange things do happen. And I know that uh, with Beth and Mike, 
that does happen from time to time. So the important thing is to stay calm, to not freak out. You know, there could be different reasons for this. And here they are returning. <laughs> uh, welcome back. Hi. We're not sure why this happens. We're talking us. about bad stuff. Paranormal stuff. And it <laughs> happens. Uh, yeah, but uh, but uh, oh, so I think what what I was saying when, when I got cut off there um, is that you, you essentially you take that item and it becomes like an item of power, like a talisman. You know, it's a, a crystal is just a rock unless you really believe that that helps protect you and that you wear that and have faith that that's going to protect you. Is it possible to to remove a spirit? Human spirits, you have to in my line of work, you have to coincide with human spirits you can't make leave they are able because of free will they are able to i believe in heaven wherever you believe they go they can come back to earth to heaven and go back and forth evil spirits they supposedly have to abide by rules and you have to want them gone and then they have to be gone it's not saying that they can't come back it's that that again that comes back to your protection and keeping your protection up because once you invite this negativity in it's like you most of the time have this dark cloud around you that you always have to be aware of, you know, what you're doing and who you're inviting in and your protection. You know, we, we kind of touched on believing in things, right, to to kind of ward off uh, certain energies, certain entities. But a lot of people tend to jump to sage, right, as a way to remove a spirit or to cleanse at home or to kind of get that energy out right um do you do you advise people to sage their homes if they think something paranormal is happening or should they rely on those such as yourself who actually have the know-how and training to do it well they used to say that but actually we found out that if there's something negative in your house do not use sage sage promotes positivity but doesn't or if your house is stale or you know um you're, you know, you're having a bad day, but if there's anything negative in your home, it makes it worse, the negative energy worse, because negative energy hates sage. So what you would do is called Palo Santo, P-A-L-O-S-A-N-T-O, which is a stick, and it's found in the rainforest, and the oils on the stick, they don't cut the tree down. It's when the tree is dead. Then they cut them up into, like, pieces of wood, and that you would burn the end of that and that gets rid of all negative energy and then you could go around and use sage um, to promote positivity but it doesn't get rid of negative energy wow that is incredible information right there that is the first time i've ever heard somebody say yeah it's true (laughs) it's true yeah it's pretty much equivalent to like frankincense that are used in you know Catholic yeah. rituals and exorcisms and stuff like that. It's 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 used in exorcisms as well. We've had yeah. people that um, had attempted to use sage, and the sage has gone missing in their house. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now, some of these cases that you've worked on, you know, you two have seen a lot of things, and you've experienced a lot. But that's not the norm, right? I mean, let's be honest. The paranormal investigation is really quite boring. It's uneventful. It's unexciting. Um, But every once in a while, you'll come across one of these cases that has intense activity, right? Um, And I know that you cover a lot of private cases, a lot of residential 
homes and all that stuff. So without giving too much away, um, what are some of those? Oh, and we just lost them again, folks. Again, it seems that technical difficulties play a part into this phenomenon. And it seems like this might be a common theme throughout our recording tonight. So for those of you who are just listening to the audio portion of this broadcast, uh, Mike and Beth seem to be losing their connection and suddenly reappearing then with their connection. So they are back. Oh, man. So, um, all right. So without missing a beat, uh, welcome back. I was just informing the audience how sometimes these things tend to occur. Uh, when we talk about certain topics, certain malfunctions tend to happen, certain electrical interference. Um, sometimes, even when you're listening to this, weird things may happen. So, yes. Uh, listen and be <laughs> But um, what we were just talking about before you left is some of the more interesting residential cases that you guys have covered. Can you share some of them? Can you go into detail without going into too much detail and exposing them? You want to start? <laughs> hmm. Like, give us an idea of maybe some of the some of the more interesting cases, or or maybe some of the cases you're working on now that have interesting aspects that you've never seen before, or, or those things that make you go, "Hmm, that's really peculiar." Um, not quite sure what to do with that. And I think they froze up again, ladies and gentlemen. So this is a. This is an interesting uh, conversation here, and I don't know how much we're going to get through uh, tonight with all these interferences, but we're going we're gonna to try our best, and hopefully Beth and Mike can return. Um, yeah, the, what, what Beth and Mike have covered in the past has been some really interesting cases. Um, there's a lot of really interesting aspects to their research. They've investigated a lot of really disturbing things. But at the same time, they've been able to help and assist a lot of people. So hopefully when they return, we might be able to get into some of those cases and talk about them. But for now, we're just going to have to wait until they can restore their connection. Mike Brown also hosts a podcast, and I know some strange things have happened when he's been in the midst of interviewing guests on his end uh, for his show. It's called The Bunker, which I highly recommend. It's an excellent, excellent show. But this, hopefully this is not a uh, thing that's going to happen throughout tonight's interview. We're just going to have to hope for the best and, um, and work within it. So we'll wait for them to return. This has happened twice when I've asked about the residential cases, which maybe it leads me to believe me. I shouldn't ask about that particular aspect. All right. Beth and Mike, they are back. Welcome back. So that's twice now when I brought up residential cases that we've uh, lost some power. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Any idea what might be happening? Is it a weak Wi-Fi connection on your end? or It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But you, you've experienced some weird things while um, recording your, your podcast, The Bunker. Um, anything of this sort of uh, nature? I just nothing I keep, close keep saying, this. yeah, page can't be found. Oops. The, and, the, and then it went yeah. black. Um, the screen's went completely black. That's what it keeps doing. Oh, sorry. Interesting. Oh, oh. So oh, sorry, Justin. I'm hey, so sorry. Okay. Yeah, I have a, 
I have a 5G connection, so I'm not sure what's going on. It just adds to the realism of of what you two go through and deal with. So hopefully third time's a charm. (laughs) Um, What are the more interesting residential cases you've worked on? We went on this one residential case where the woman called because um, she said that um, cats keep, keep getting into the bed with her. So I actually, we went out there and I actually had to physically get in the bed with her. And she started off with... Um, a total stranger under the covers. She was, and then all of a sudden she's like, "They're in the bed. Can't you feel the cats all in the bed? They're crawling in the bed." And I didn't feel any cat at all. <laughs> and I, I was, it was just really bizarre, you know, because, you know, I thought for sure, me, uh, you know, being the psychic that I would feel a, ca- a cat, but she was, there was no cat in her bed. I that I could feel, but she could feel the cats all in her bed, all over. So that was kind of bizarre, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah, there's times where we'll show up somewhere, and you know the stuff doesn't act on cue. So, I mean, it was it was weird that you know she was feeling these cats in the bed, and you were in the bed also, and didn't feel anything. So it's kind of like, uh, is she really feeling cats? We're not really sure. But a lot of times, you know, people contact us, we go out there, and just and nothing happens. Um, luckily. You know, we have, you know, the the two different things that we use basically to investigate is the equipment and Beth, basically. And, uh, you know, she'll usually come up with some information, something useful we can go with. It's a relative or it's uh, this man who looks like this or this kind of woman that looks dressed like that. You know, some kind of detail so that we can at least go with it. But a lot of times, you know, the equipment is just sitting there and... Nothing happens. Oh, and one another case we won't mention names, but we were at Hins, the Hinsdale House doing a, a well. It was a private investigation, oh, okay. and we physically watched somebody, one of our members, get physically get pulled off the couch onto the floor. Yeah. So yeah. that was a that was yeah, and and you could see no one grabbed her humanly, and the way she was pulled, you can tell she didn't like make herself fall. It was like a yank and went right to the floor from her ankle. Yeah, oh, and her man. shoe was almost was, her shoe was just kind of hanging on the end of her foot. It almost just get got pulled right off of her foot. What are some of those more intense visual things that you've experienced while working on cases, like like what you just uh, described? What are some other um, ones? The visual, the one her being pulled off. Yeah. Oh well, we were at the just down the street here at the Burlington County Prison Museum, and it was it was a was we just went in for a day. You know, you can pay a couple of bucks, five bucks or whatever, to to go in for a day tour, and we just go in with a couple recorders and a couple pieces of equipment in our pocket and just go in and investigate. So we were there one day, and for whatever reason, Beth just kept getting grabbed like over and over and over again, and we were standing. uh, We were on the I think believe it was the second floor standing outside one of the cells and inside some of the cells they have little dummies like dressed up that like are in different scenes like they're sitting on the bed playing poker and that kind of stuff we were standing outside the 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 one cell and beth was curious because on the bunk there was like this little cigar box and it looked like they had like playing cards in it or something like it or postcards maybe and so she was curious so she just reached in like you know picked up the box to see what was in there and I was looking down. I was like turning on or off my recorder or something. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw like a hand come out from the corner of the cell and start moving right towards Beth's hand. And just as I like brought my head up to say something, I saw it go towards her hand and then I saw her jump and like pull her hand back. And, uh, 
Yeah. I was like, I just saw that. I literally just saw that. Yeah, with your eye. With your... Yeah. Yeah, it was see-through, like, illuminated, sort of misty-looking. But it was clearly a guy's arm and a hand. You could see the hair. Wow. And it was like a big, burly hand. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. Had you ever experienced anything like that before? No. No. I, I, I've seen... I've seen apparitions like that, like full bodies, on, on a few occasions, maybe four or five times, mostly in Gettysburg, to be honest, on the battlefield. So we've seen stuff out there, but I mean, that's, the, that's the one and only time I've ever seen a spirit, if that's what it was, reach out and grab her. Because I didn't get a chance to say, hey, Beth, you know, heads up. And she just felt it touch her, and I saw her reaction. Like, pulled her hand back. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. That's the only time I've ever seen a spirit, quote-unquote, actually you know seeing it and manipulating something at the same time i'm like have you ever seen that uh no no i in gettysburg i physically saw a soldier walk across Mm. the street like you know in the park there physically was a soldier in all his attire with my eye you know and usually when i the work that i do i don't physically see like i see you justin or or mike like i see in my my third eye but Every once in a while, I will physically see something, like with my, you know, with the naked eye, I would physically see something, but that's rare. So that's pretty cool when I, when I do see something like that. So getting into your abilities, Beth, we know that there's different uh, clairs, right? There's clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, there's a bunch of others. What do you best relate to? And can you describe it? Um, I, well, mostly I'm Claire uh, sentience. I feel things. Um, I'm all I'm, I'm all the Claire's. Eventually, you develop all the Claire's, Mo- but mostly I'm Claire sentience. I can feel things. I can feel things about to happen and, sen- and sense things. Um, and then the last one that was to, for me to come was Claire audient. I don't. Mike hears Claire audient. You know, I don't hear as well, but he can hear Claire audient. What does it sound like? And, and how do you? How do you differentiate it between just like a stray sound or a stray voice that could be next door? How, how do you make that? Well, with Claire audience, yeah, you would hear just like I'm talking to you. Like mm-hmm. you would hear mm-hmm. my voice. That's how you would hear it in your ear. It would be in your, you know, in your yeah. ears, right? That's how you hear it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've had a good like handful of EVPs, uh, not that were always captured, but some of them were that I actually literally felt it. Like the voice was so close to my ear, I could actually feel the breath and I could feel the person's voice, you know, like hit the side of my face as well as hear it. That's happened a few times. That's again, it's rare, but when it happens, it's that'll wake you up. (laughs) Wow. That's, but, but does it, does it sound like, is it a lower volume or is it like a whisper or is it, how would you describe it? And the reason I'm asking this is there might be people listening who might be experiencing this, right? But they can't tell if it's their mind playing tricks on them or if it's, you know, Aaron's sound from outside. How do you make that call? Hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that, that's, that's one of those things that you seem to just uh, get more sensitive well, to the more you pay attention to it. Like, the longer you're sitting in the dark, you can't see anything. Your hearing tends to take over, and uh, it's almost you know. I I always looked at it like a like working out that muscle, and the more I 
EVPs, I call it, and the more I tried to catch EVPs, the, like over time, the more I was actually hearing with my ear. And it does sound like a voice. It's almost always a whisper for whatever reason. Uh, we're not sure why that is. But it just sort of, at this point now, I can kind of just tell the difference. Like when I could be in a room full of people having a conversation, and, and that extra weird voice will pop in that others might hear or might not, usually not. Um, and it just, like, it sounds like a voice, like you said, but it just sounds off or th there's something different about it. I and mean, maybe it's the frequency. I'm not sure. Well, and you know, if there's no one else in the room and you're not, we're not talking and you know that, yeah. it, like, you know, it didn't come from outside, then that's how you know, oh, it's spirit. Yeah. There's been lots of times where, I mean, the voice is just so loud. You can hear, like if we're in a tunnel, for example, you can hear the same reverb and echo from that voice that you would hear from my voice in that same location fit being physically there so there's something to that we've run into that a lot at penhurst in the tunnels and stuff i mean moans and stuff that you'll just hear and it you know voices spoken right next to you and you can hear them echo down the hallway um yeah it is like you're a trained ear you know when you like at yeah. first when i first started learning about evps you know i, I wouldn't hear anything until you it takes a trained ear to know the difference whether it's a whisper or some of your teammate talking and you kind of get used to like Mike was saying hearing that voice or that whisper and you know that it's not well in human form you know and it's not yeah. one of us talking so you kind of kind of get in tune with that tell me about EVP right what does it mean and what have you learned with this particular technique uh, yeah well EVP stands for electronic voice phenomenon and with that strictly defines is a voice that is captured on a recording device that that no one heard physically with their ears at the time so that's the kind of a thing that you will be completely unaware of whether you're asking questions or if you're just recording your your child on a swing or something you know that camera recorder is going and sometimes you know, inadvertently you'll catch strange voices on it but it's weird how it's like we've experienced all combinations of of this happening like like i said an evp normally is like something that's recorded but you didn't hear it the longer we've been doing this the more that we've experienced hearing things that the recorder didn't pick up that should have been picked up that were so loud that there was no way i mean voices that was that, that are louder than us in this room should have been recorded on that recorder but lo and behold you play it back and there's nothing there uh those are disappointing and and we've also you know we've also had avp that we like a true classic evp you didn't hear it when it was recorded but in review you hear the voice and you go back and you listen to it and you're like oh my god this is great and then the next day you go back to listen to the same audio file and the volume is like halved without editing it without messing with it or doing anything so I, i'm not sure how evp works how it ends up I mean, we were always told in training like it it somehow just imprints a voice on that recorder without because if, if there's a physical voice in the room that's audible and, and you know you have you know, average hearing, you should have heard it and it should have been recorded. But that isn't always the case. And we're not really sure why that is, why sometimes, you know, you could have a, a bank of recorders, you know, three or four of the exact same recorder sitting in a room recording while you're doing an EVP session. You play it back and two of the recorders have a voice on it. The other three don't. So I don't know how that works, um, but yeah. That is really fascinating, right? It, it seems it's weird that like EVP whatever we think we know about it something happens and it kind of changes our previous thoughts and then we have to kind of rewrite everything and 
think, okay, well, then it must be this, right? Because, yes, there's that argument that the voice imprints itself on the recorder. But then there's the argument that, well, maybe it doesn't because, like you mentioned, you hear an audible voice in the room and it doesn't pick it up. Um, so it's also like bypassing the recorder too. It's This is such a peculiar aspect of paranormal investigation. And you've supplied some examples of this, some of the best EVPs that you've recorded. Do you want to give us a little context about this clip before we play it? Sure. Um, my dad passed away in 2019 and my parents had a reversed mortgage. So we had a, it was a four bedroom home over an acre land and tabernacle. My dad had a six bed garage built in the back for his antique street rod cars. And um, my dad passed away and then my mom had to go into a nursing home. So we had to pick pack everything up and get everything out. We had only like a few weeks to get it out. So I figured, I'm like, well, you know, first rule of thumb, you never investigate your own house. But I figured that they're not living there anymore, it would be okay. So we went out to where my dad spent most of his life in his garage because he would build street rod cars and he would race at Akko Raceway. And I I was like, all right, Dad, this is our last day here. We're packing up, moving out. How about, you know, give me a sign or can you, you know, say something to me um, to let us know that you're here? And then this is what one of them that we captured. Okay, we're going to play that one right now. Dad. The whisper was, that was my father saying, Dad. And then I said, Dad. So you can, you can hear the difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's another one of those instances where the EVP like precedes what you said before you say it. Like my Let's dad knew that. I was going to say it. Yeah. Let's play that one more time. Dad. Yeah. That's really remarkable. Um, not the first time I've heard about that too. It's almost like the, the phenomenon is one step ahead of us. Yes. It, yeah. It's almost like it knows what we're going to do even before we know we're going to do it. Uh, it it's really remarkable. Do, what do you think this was, Beth? Do you think this was you, your subconscious that was being picked up? Or do you think this was your father? Or do you think this was something else? I believe it was my father, but can I prove it? I don't. I don't know. Because the recorder picked it up, so it's like you don't know. I I had a, I could sense his energy was there, obviously, and I I felt it was his spirit. But that's the thing with paranormal; you can't prove it. Yeah. But how it's it's interesting. Yeah, if your recorder can pick up your thoughts, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, let, let's play this one more time. Dad. Very interesting. Wild. Yeah. yeah. That one's wild. It's so clear. Now, you have another one from the same location, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this yes. one is titled uh, Gold and Silver. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
we were in the basement this time. There was so much stuff we had to clean out. And, and back in the day, you're probably too young, Justin, but um, Boskov used to, the Boskov's department store used to give like free gifts out if you bought stuff. So they we they gave us, my, my mom, this big suitcase of fake um, so, um, silverware. So, and it, and it was like plated, you know, with um, silver and, or gold or gold plated, you know, you can chip it off with your finger. Yeah, it's like gold paint, basically. And yeah. my sister thought she found the jackpot, but it was fake. And it was fake. And um, at that time, it was only Mike and I down there. And, you know, we were packing it up. And that's when you hear. Yeah, so so in the clip, Beth is like showing me the silverware set and the, yeah. explaining to me that oh yeah, Kim found this and thought it was you know the jackpot or whatever. Yeah, and then you hear them say my yeah. someone say my dad or spirit. Yeah, what I like about what I like about this is the the EVP overlaps me talking, Beth talking, so you can you can just hear it like it's a self proof that it's definitely not Beth, and it sure as heck isn't me, and we're the only ones in the on the property at that time so yeah it's interesting all right i'm gonna play the clip gold and silver it's fake let's play it we tried see how bubbles i mean if you can do that it's just gold and silver. i know that's like the other night remember Kimmy found it, she's like oh my god i'm gonna play it one more time here it's fake let's play it we tried see how bubbles Man, if you can do that, it's just gold and silver. I know. That the other night, I remember Kimmy found she's like, oh my god. Yeah, but... Yeah, so the, so the gold and silver is, is a voice that, you know, is like out of thin air. Yeah, this is, uh, it's very clear. I mean, yeah. yeah. And sometimes EVP works that way, right? When pe two people are talking, the EVP will be in the middle of the conversation um, yeah. and it'll say something yeah. like this. Uh, that's why I like this clip. It's, it's a perfect example of that. Um, when you first heard this, did you jump to the conclusion that, oh, maybe it was one of us or, or how do you, yeah. you determine? Yeah, because it almost sounds like me, but how can I do that and talk at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Like it yeah. almost sounds like it could be me, but then I'm like, well, I'm talking as it's talking over me. So like, and I never said those words. You could because you hear me talking throughout the whole time. So I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those remarkable clips that. Um, yeah. It, how do how do you explain it away? You know, it's yeah. just it's. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can't unless, explain it. Yeah. Unless you are one of the most amazing ventriloquists on the planet, um, it's really <laughs> difficult I'd, to yeah. write it off as such, right? I'll, I'll add that to my resume. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. All right, let, let me play this again here. It's fake. Let's play it. We tried. See how bubbles. Man, if you can do that, it's just gold. I know. That's like the other night. Remember, Kimmy found. She's like, oh my god. Now let me ask you this: In that recording, you hear these weird beeps, right? This weird feedback. Do you know what that is at all? Or it's like right as the um, gold and silver clip, or right as the voice says that, there's this little like high pitched. 
I yeah, don't know what it is. I don't know either. You hear? I yeah. I, I know you're hearing because I hear it too. I I can't explain what that even yeah, what that I have is. Yeah, no idea what that is. Do you find when you're going over evidence and you get a, a voice or what you believe is a voice? Do you do you find a similar notion where there's this weird feedback with the electronics? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. We're going to do a, that was for you. Do you know which one this one is? Ah, uh, yes, yes. This, so this, this one is from, uh, from the Center of Life and Balance in Medford, where, where Beth has her office at. And we were doing a public investigation there, the first one ever, I'm pretty sure. And we had quite a few recorders going that night, but it was incredibly active EVP-wise. We caught over 40 EVPs in probably five hours. I think it was five. That's with six, everybody, collection of all of us. Yeah, maybe we probably had, I don't know, ten, maybe 10 to 12 recorders total, probably. But an insane amount of EVPs and from one location that is, you know, I mean, there was, it's it's basically this, this old house that was converted into uh, offices and it's a whole bunch of holistic practitioners in there. So there's, you know, there's other mediums there. There's psychics there, massage therapists, you know, acupuncture there's a store like all that kind of stuff so we i, I don't know if we, any of us really expected to for it to be that active i mean we've we've had a lot of crazy uh experiences there just just us um like chairs moving and stuff and we smelled like a turkey dinner being cooked in the house one time and there was no one in the house but i don't think we expected to catch this many evps and this clip is interesting and I, the reason i picked this one is because you actually, in the very beginning of the clip, you're going to hear a REM pod going off. So you can hear the, the REM pods being activated, and then it goes off for a couple of seconds, and then a voice comes in right after that. Kind of, it sounds like it, explaining what just happened in a way. What is a REM pod? Yeah, so it's, it's um, I wish I had one here to show you. I don't have it. Um, it is a... REM pod stands for radiating electromagnetic. And what, what it essentially does is it radiates its own little sort of EM bubble around the antenna on the top of the device. And if something with something that can conduct energy breaks that, that field, it will actually um, alarm and the lights and an, and an audible alarm will go off. And the closer to the antenna that the disturbance gets, the higher pitch and the more lights actually activate. Uh, so it's, you know, it's almost like a, like a trip sensor in a way, you know, you can put it in a room and if, you know, you have to be careful with them sometimes cause you know, um, walkies will sometimes set them off. The, the newer ones seem to be more shielded for that, but, uh, the original ones would, a lot of other things would set them off. So you have to be careful about false positives, but I think the newer devices are more dependable. So, it, so if essentially you don't see anybody near the device, there's no animal and there's no person near there and it's going off, then you have some sort of strange disturbance that something is disturbing the electromagnetic field uh, what it exactly is i'm not sure but you'll hear the rem pod on this recording and then you'll hear the evp after that right correct okay all right let's play this all right i'm gonna play it again so here. yeah that one's a little bit low and there's somebody i think moving at the same time like walking by okay It 
it's kind of the whisper at the end said it's for you yeah it sounds okay. like i said that was that was for you that's what it sounds like to me it's not as clear as the other ones like yeah. that wouldn't be considered a class a but you could hear at the end like for you or something <laughs> yeah explain the classification like what we heard uh earlier that would be like a class a EVP, that would right? be yes that would be a class a there's class a which means that there's no doubt that you heard what it said there's there's no explanation you can explain it it's you know either yes or no you heard what it said class b is well it, maybe it said this well it sounds more like this to me yeah and then class c is you throw it out you can't make it sense of you, no one can hear anything or which is weird sometimes one person can hear it and whole like michael sent me evps and i'm like i can't hear what you're what you're hearing i don't hear anything <laughs> So that's another weird thing. Or I'll do the same thing. And I said, did you hear that? I'm going to say in CVP, you heard that, right? And he was like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. So that's how it, <laughs> yeah. that's how that works. It's That is weird also. I don't know why one person can hear something and another person can't. Mm. Uh, but I think this, yeah. you can hear it's really, it's faint at the end, but you can hear it All right. a little bit. Let's, let's play one more time and uh, folks try to listen what Beth and Mike have, have interpreted to be is that was for you. Uh, see if you can hear this. That was for you. <laughs> Sounds a, like a creepy voice. Yeah, I can I can hear a little bit, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it's very tough to hear, and that's that's part of the downside when you're going through evidence, right? That's why you have to really have those trained ears listening for things yes, because yes. someone, an investigator could overlook a particular clip and uh, it could be an actual EVP. Um, so Correct. it's, this is not easy going through hours and hours <laughs> of evidence is not easy. It, oh. it takes a trained ear, takes yeah. a lot of time, takes a lot of patience. Are there some days that you just think, okay, this is just not worth my time anymore. That, I'm going to yeah, get out of this. That, that's me. I do not like, I can't do it. I, he, he'll, I'll give it to him to listen for most of the time. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't sit there for hours and hours and hours. It drives you nuts. <laughs> but when you do get one, it's really exciting and it is addicting. Yeah. Then you want more, but it's just having that time to listen hours and hours. I can listen maybe 20 minutes or a half hour, but I'm like, I can't. I'd have to come back to it. Some people can just sit there for hours and just listen to it. And, you know, it's just, I can't do it. You know what else is really challenging, too, is if you have a really, really clear EVP, you could, it could just pass right by you. Like, you won't even notice it. If you're not paying close attention the entire time you're listening, you can't be, like, daydreaming. You can't. Like, you got to be really keyed into all the sound, who's in that audio clip, how many investigators are in the room, where's so-and-so, this was about this time, so they were on the third floor. You know what I mean? You, you have to really keep close attention the whole time you're listening because if you get a really really clear EVP it'll go right by you and you won't even hear it because you'll just think it, it just fits into the normal conversation in the room yeah and if you don't go wait a minute who, you know what I mean like you have to notice right away wait a minute whose voice is that it does take a trained ear yeah, to hear it's hard, it's, it it's, it's easy to miss it if you're listening for hours and hours on end that's it's it's, it's really important to know like okay I'm starting to doze because I'm going to rewind it five minutes and I'm, I'm stopping it right there and then just you know get some rest and come back the next day or a couple of days later or something and, and finish it because it isn't worth it to to just get through it to get through it and, and end up missing half the stuff that's on there because it's easy to miss. It really is. Are there any other EVPs uh, that were at that location um, that you sent me? No. No. Okay. That was just then those I'm two. Gonna, okay, gotcha. Then I'm going to pick another one here. Um, 
And the reason why I ask is there's one titled Beth Center EVP Skyler. Oh yeah. Oh, this, this one, um, I teach us, I teach a psychic development class and, uh, my office is on the third floor and during the class, my, we were doing like a little, actually I was teaching them about the paranormal. <laughs> so that's one of the classes I teach with the psychic development class. And one of my students, her name is Skylar and she had sensed an energy or a spirit standing next to her. So we ask, you know, we, there is a little girl spirit that is in, at the Center Life and Balance where I work. We thought it was her. She's about an eight-year-old little girl, um, long brown hair, and she, um, you know, wanders the house. And pe other people have experienced her. Well, we thought it was her, but a man's voice answered instead um, with this question that you're about to play. Wow. Okay. Here we go. Emily, do you like hanging out with Skylar over there? All right. I'm going to play it one more time. Emily, do you like hanging out with Skylar over there? Now, real quick, there seems to be an echo in that recording. Is that echo... Was that explained or was it a large? I do that for my, for my cell phone. Oh, so it wasn't okay, a recorder. Gotcha. I just had my cell phone on at the time. And I said, mm. this is how we do an EVP session. I was telling the class and I said, let's see if we can do one. And then we asked that question. Then you hear the man's voice say, yes. At the very end. Okay. Yeah. Let me play it one more and time. There's no, there's no men in the room mm. and there was, nobody was talking at the time. Emily, do you like hanging out with Skylar over there? Wow, that is uh, really interesting. There's some sort of sound. I don't know if I hear yes. I do hear something. Okay. Okay. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But that's one of the challenges with EVP is it's up to interpretation sometimes, especially if it's not a Class A EVP. Have you two been in situations where one person thinks it's this and the other person is like, no, 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 I'm 100% certain it's yes. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. that's a class yeah. B. And you can't, when someone thinks they're saying one thing and you think they're saying something else. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's play this again and folks, see what you think. Emily, do you like hanging out with Skylar over there? <laughs> there's, some, there's something there. <laughs> it sound, yeah, to me, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that's, a good EVP because it says yes, but it's a man's man's voice for sure. Yeah, it's weird, but it also sounds kind of like almost gargled or something at the yeah. same time. Yeah, or like, or like a, or, a or, static or, or yeah, staticky maybe is the right yeah. word. It's, it's, yeah, it sounds odd. That's really. what I hear. I hear a little bit more static to mm -hmm. it. That's yeah. why I'm having a hard time making out that definitive yes. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, you know what? It, it was and it was forceful. It was, it was almost like you remember, like it, maybe it was her father because um, the Center Life and Balance, um, Doctor Edgar Haynes used to deliver babies there in the eighteen hundreds. So I, you know how back in the day children are to be seen and not heard, and they would have to go to bed at a certain time. And I think it was like eight o'clock at night past her bedtime. And it was like four, to me, and, and this could be the psychic part taken over, but I was like, it was like okay, because the 
this young spirit we named her is Emily and it was like you know time to get to bed that's why he was like yes like you know like get get to bed kid you're not supposed to be up yeah do you ever get like impressions as you're listening to the EVP and it, it, yeah. it gives you like an answer or something yeah it does that, it, it happens uh, it, it depends like how I know that to me that yes felt male like a male energy saying it you know so and i think that's why that's when the psychic part or, or mediumship whatever you want to call uh taps into that energy wise from just from that evp yeah i do get impressions sometimes from the evp um yeah does that does that answer your question yeah you? have you ever heard a clip and thought to yourself that's not good um, this, we shouldn't Scary. listen to this. Yeah. Yes. Gary. Th that one that, yeah, that, yes. The mother was, there was a mother and daughter, um, that came to my psych development class and they thought that was a very scary voice. Yeah. Cause when you hear it, it sounds very scary. It's, it's that's, yeah, it's very forceful and it sounds mad. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were afraid. <laughs> So, you know, I would calm him down and be like, oh, no, he must have been like a very stern man, very, you know, quiet or very, you know, just really, a really private man. And I'm impressions wise, I, I'm thinking it, it felt to me like it was the doctor who used to deliver the babies there. You know, that's what I felt like, Dr. Edgar, Dr. Edgar Haynes. Which would not be scary at all. It would not be scary, but I'm thinking if uh, past the bedtime, you know, like mm -hmm. maybe it's time to get to bed. That's what it just felt like. Or or don't mm -hmm. bother me. But I wasn't okay. going to go into that with the class. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's, <laughs> yeah. we've had discussions with people at, you know, public events in particular about that sort of thing and not trying to read too much into it mm -hmm. and sort of start pouring fear into it because, you know, that, I mean, that's seems to be in our experience what fuels a lot of or strengthens rather a lot of maybe more intense or potentially negative things the more fear that's put into that that place or that situation or that entity or that situation it's it's it it, it just makes everything worse and uh so with evps of wherever we hear or you know at a lot of events that someone will have an ovilus and it'll start spewing out random words and every one of those every time i've ever heard one of those machines turned on it always says demon no matter where we're at so when people hear that and they get upset, it's like no, it just, you can't you can't read too much into it because, you know, until you start getting you know multiple pieces of evidence piling on top of each other that are corroborating each other, then it's like okay, now you have a better idea what's going on. But that device that you're referring to called an ovulus, right? Yes. How does it work for those who may not be familiar? <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. There's like a word bank in there, and supposedly based on. I'm not sure what at what what sets it off. I'm thinking I'm thinking um, just differences in in the environment, uh, temperature and EMF and stuff like that triggers it to like pull words out. And I mean, it, can it be used to communicate? I guess it's possible, but I mean, we really haven't messed with that much. When I, I've, it's been very rare that it ever said anything that was really poignant or like a direct answer to a question. For example, we've had a lot more success with just recording and just catching EVPs. Are there any pieces of equipment? that are pretty much worthless or are overrated on investigations. You know, you see them during the public ghost hunts that people just should not use. Are there any of those types of 
of, of tools out there that maybe you'd steer people away from using? Ovulus. The Ovulus <laughs> is one of them for sure. Um, we, we, we tend to stick to the more basic, just, you know, atmospheric things, you know, like uh, EMF uh, sensor, uh, humidity sensor, temperature sensor, um, um, you know, different motion sensors are, are good. If you're going to put them in an area where there's no investigators or people walking around and you, you know, if you have a motion sensor that goes off and there's no one walking in front of it, like that's, you know, you have something there, something with an infrared heat signature, if that's how the sensor works, which is how a lot of them work, activates that device. And you know, something with a, some sort of infrared heat signature walked in front of that device, even though you can't see anything. Um, that we tend, we tend to stick to that, to that basic stuff, REM pods and EMF meters and stuff like that. Well, we didn't used to like, um, well, I didn't used to like, and you didn't, the spirit box, because it's a lot of like ch -ch -ch static, oh, yeah. but they made, they made them much better now. So, um, yeah. I kind of like the spirit box now because for some reason you hear them, a lot of times they'll say my name, the spirit boxes. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and especially if the spirit box can like, you'll say, well, where, can you tell me where we're at? And they'll mention the house that you're investigating. So stuff like, so sometimes you're like, well, maybe it, it is working. Maybe it is real. You know? Yeah. Those are the original but, versions were very difficult to, and they work by radio sweeps, like radio waves, yeah. radio waves, the original ones, it didn't have like noise gates on it and stuff like that. So you couldn't cut out all that static, which is super annoying. Um, you know, and they used to have old speakers that didn't have volume control. It would just be loud as hell, and you couldn't hear anything else while someone was running one of those. Uh, but like you said, they're better now. And that, to me, is more legitimate than a Nautilus because that's at least picking up radio signals. And we, we've seen a lot more direct intelligent answers through a spirit box than we have through a Nautilus any day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right. They do say her name all the time. It's weird. Yeah, because the spirit box is one of those controversial pieces of equipment that... You know, I remember when it first came out, wasn't it called the Frank's Box? Because it was named after the original inventor, Frank Sumption. And he created this or came up with this technology that would allow the radio waves to go back and forth. And um, it basically, you're scanning all the radio dials, right? Either on FM or AM. But then I know that there's some experiments where they put that inside a, um, a, a Faraday cage, right? Which prevents any type of radio frequency getting inside and they put a recorder in with it and it still picks up voices so it makes you wonder maybe there is something to this maybe the entities need something to manifest maybe that's why when it comes to the evps um maybe it needs us to manifest into an audible voice perhaps that is why some of these voices sound like us yeah, yeah. Could be. Again, these are just theories we're putting forth. No one really has any answers in the field. We're just right. kind of testing out a bunch of things. And every once in a while, one of these things tends to be successful. And we stick with that. You, you two have created a lot of very interesting recordings. And I think we should go through some more of these. The next one I'm going to play is called... Uh, uh, this one's called a high... And it's spelled very interesting. There's a bunch of H's and a bunch of I's. Yeah, you'll see why. Okay, let's play <laughs> this one. We hope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. Here we go. 
Oh, now that's interesting. All right, I'm going to play this one more time. There we go. It's a very breathy voice, huh? Yeah, and that, that was recorded at the, at the center at that same public event. And I, you can hear, I think it's me in the background, like uh, in the next room or down the hall. You can just barely hear my voice in the background. And this was in the, where we usually do the classes in the, uh, in the living room. And it was near the clock. You can hear the clock ticking there. But that voice is, like there was no one in that room at the time. So we're not really sure where that came from. This centered, uh, what's the story with it? The center? Yeah. It's called the Center Life and Balance. It's three floors of holistic practitioners. Um, and they also, I was saying that's where they delivered the babies in 1800, Dr. Edgar Haynes. So it was in 1800s, they delivered babies and then families owned it. And then it was a bed and breakfast. That's why there's nine bedrooms, nine bathrooms. And then a woman named Susan Drummond bought it and were umbrellaed under her under the Center Life and Balance. If they're interested in this sort of stuff, right, and they want to go and take some of your classes, how do they know they're not going to be spooked and pick up something like this? You know, I mean, how do you do you they take don't. any steps? Well, do you take any um, steps to kind of protect somebody? Well, as you, you heard the saying, love and light, it's all love and light there. It's all positivity. It's it's all good stuff. It's all about healing. So that and and hiring your hiring your vibration. That's the only thing. That's everything that we do there. So it's all good and it's all in your in, in your highest good. And so you still no, pick up creepy voices. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah well, <laughs> we're the only ones that I'm the only one that is a parent. Well, Mike helps with the classes, but um, yeah. I'm the only practitioner that's a paranormal that's a paranormal investigator there out of all the practitioners. So no one else is doing it. So. Were were people describing things taking place there even before you arrived? Did they did they have experiences before you came on the scene? Um, well, yeah, Susan, who owns the Center Life and Balance, she saw Dr. Edgar Haynes standing at the top of the steps. You know, and people, you know, feel things, they sense things, they, they sense a the dog, um, a cat, this little girl that's coming through, but her knockings and stuff like that, but nothing like real severe, nothing negative ever. Wow. Just putting that out there in case those of you who are listening to this are a little, you know, <laughs> uneasy. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to be afraid of at all. It's right. all good. But you must, you must understand that some people who are not in the field, they're hearing these voices and to them it's going to sound very creepy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I mean, let's play this again, this breathy high. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. And to yeah. me, it sounds male. It feels male energy to me. It sounds male to me too, yeah. Why he said it like that? He, that that's the thing. You don't know, like, you wonder, like, why do they say it like that? Or what are they trying to, what's their point that they want to get across? <laughs> The way I thought of it is if, if I were a spirit and, and I knew that, hey, these guys are walking around trying to talk to me, but they can't see me, I probably would walk over to the recorder and like say something creepy into it or something, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to mess with you. Yeah, you would. Maybe it was just that, you know? Could be <laughs> yeah. something as simple as that. Even though it does sound weird and creepy, I mean, it might be as innocent as, like, oh, I'm just going to mess with them and make a creepy voice into this recorder, <laughs> you know? Now, let me like... ask you, though. This recorder, this was your recorder, right, Mike? 
this was recorded. I think this was this was on Taryn's recorder. Okay. Taryn was there with us for that one. Yeah, that was on that. That's off her recorder. Because I've always had this thought about EVP that you know, like you just made mention a few moments ago. If you were a spirit and you were trying to get someone's attention, right? This is something you would do. And I'm wondering if, again, this is just speculative, but what if the voices we're picking up aren't from the afterlife per se, but they're from an alternative universe? What if we're, you guys are picking up the voices of, let's say, you trying to make contact with this parallel realm? Um, have you ever come across any recordings that have made you consider this theory or it kind of made you question the spirit theory? Yeah. Maybe it's not a ghost. Yeah. When you would be like, I remember just recently, you're like, I don't think that was me, but that could have been me or something to that terms. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear, yeah, we'll get AVPs. It sounds like us. Yeah. There was one, I couldn't find it, but there was one I picked up. It was a private case and I heard, I caught, I heard and caught Beth saying something while she was talking, saying something else. And I was standing facing her. So, I mean, I'm watching her. I can see her lips move and I'm listening to her talk. But then I heard another voice come in that sounded like her voice again over top of her voice. But it couldn't have been her because she was already talking and I was watching her. I was, you know, watching her lips move. So I knew what she was saying, but an extra voice had come through that sounded like her like overlapping it. I don't know. Yeah. See, that's just Strange. remarkable, right? Strange. So, so uh, weird. Yeah. It's very weird. All right. So let's move on. Let's go to uh, the next one. This is, um, this is titled BCP one Oh five Oh two floor voice. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, this is one of those occasions where we just went to the Burlington County prison museum, just walked around, you know, during the day and, uh, I think, yeah, this is a voice that just comes out of, it sounds like it's in the room with us in the, in the tunnel. But and you did not hear this in real time, right? This was not heard at the time, no. Okay. All right, let's play this. What are you feeling? All right, I'm going to play it one more time here. What are you feeling? Yeah, so... I said nothing. Right? Yeah, so this is what... So we were just walking around in the in the, in the prison. And the woman's... And I always... When I... Whenever we start investigating somewhere, I always defer to her. And I'm like, all right, where are you feeling? Like, you know, where are you feeling? You know, because she'll usually feel something and head us in a certain place, a certain room, or a certain floor. So I had asked her, like, you know, said, what are you feeling? And she said nothing. And then another female voice comes in after that. And it's very, you know, it sounds echoey, like it, again, like it's spoken right in the hallway. You can hear echo and reverb and all that stuff. Yeah, you can certainly hear that echo. It's at the very end of the recording. I, I can't make out what's being said. Yeah. But, no. but there's that reverb. There is clearly a voice there. And you're saying you did not hear this in real time. It was only until you reviewed the evidence later that you picked up this stray voice. All right, let's play this again. What are you feeling? It, it sounded like 
we um it we were in the women's part of the prison yeah. and it sounds like it said i'm sick i'm sick so mike you're asking beth how are you feeling beth responds and then you hear this other voice that could be saying i'm sick let's give it another listen let's see if you can hear i'm sick at the very end what are you feeling Yeah, now that you say that, it it's it does sound a little bit like that. A little bit like um sick. Yeah, a little, it sounds like a little bit like that. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure, but it, it could be that. Now that gets into another angle that we kind of alluded to earlier: the power of suggestion. When you come across an EVP, and you know that it says something, do you tell the other what you think it says first, or do you just let them listen to it and interpret it first? Sometimes, some sometimes, if it's I, if I personally think it's a class A, I'll say what I I see. I, I'll say, don't do you hear him say it says this, and then I let him hear. But sometimes, if it's questionable, I hear something, but I won't say anything until I say, well, what do you think it says? Hmm. Yeah, not all the time, but sometimes I I'm determined. If I can hear it, then I can hear it, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there's a. Sometimes there's a heated debate over what it says. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. This is <laughs> all of that both... pouring over, pouring yeah, over we... hours and hours of recordings. Yeah. It makes it a little, uh, right. a little tense. Crazy. Uh... Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. tell me it didn't say that. What do you mean you can't hear it? Yeah. There's a. Yeah. There's there's been a few times where I you get you like get heavily invested in something because it's to you it's so clear, and then you play it for the other team members and they're like, nah, that's not what it says. It says this, and then you and then you hear and you think, okay, wait. You think it says that, and you listen again, and then you hear that. So, yeah, some of them are just kind of, yeah, they're they're very open to inter interpretation. Has the other person been able to sway uh, the argument? Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, especially if you said you think it says this, and then you, and then they'll be like, no, and then you'll be you'll be like, well, listen again, and I think, are you putting that in my head because you told me that it says that? So is that what I'm hearing? Hmm. You know. So, you know, subconsciously, I'm all right, I put it in your head like a placebo effect that it says that. So then when you go listen to it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I hear that now. I think that happens, too. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right, let's play this one more time, and then we'll move on to the next one. What are you feeling? So that was Burlington County Prison. That's an interesting location there. Um, a lot of very uh, interesting experiences have taken place there uh, for paranormal investigators, for people who attend the prison um, or just walking through. Um, it's a very unique location. All right, let's play this one. This was titled uh, HOSK2MSB1019. Do you know what this is? Uh, or do you want me to play uh, it first? This is... Um... I'll set this up. This is, this is the godfather of all EVPs, in my opinion. This, oh, um, no. this is, um, this is while we were still in training. It was one of the last places that we investigated for, you know, to get qualified as investigators. And so we were downtown Burlington, New Jersey, at the Hoskins house, right down by the water. And we were investigating. Beth and I were up in the attic, and we were with the director Dave Giuliano at the time. 
and it was it was that point it was getting close to the end of the evening i think we were wrapping up at 11 or 11 30 something like that and it was you know it was a little bit after 10 10 19 was the time and you know so we're just starting to kind of sit there and just tell random stories back and forth where we're going to the diner and so forth and beth you know at that time still worked at OBGYN, so she had a lot of like war stories from from work about about stuff and so <laughs> it needs no introduction <laughs> it's pretty funny she's talking she, they were talking about camel toes and and why i don't remember yeah I, I, i'm yeah not sure how that came up in conversation but anyway so we're talking about camel toes and you, you'll hear dave in the clip say um you know actually before the clip he says you know that's really it's really funny once we listen to this, what what kind of EVPs are we going to pick, pick up in this conversation? And uh, and then he says, well, you know, it's that word is politically correct. And then there's another voice right after that that comes in and is clearly participating in the conversation. Interesting. Okay, here we go. This is from the Hoskins house. It's politically correct. Okay. It's very clear. Let's uh, let's play this one more time. <laughs> Politically correct. All right. Would you consider that a class A EVP? Yeah. I... <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I yeah. think it's pretty clear what's what's being said there. And again, it's you know participating in the conversation. And, and that's one we didn't we didn't hear until review. So, yeah. Yeah. This look this this phenomenon. It, it, you never know what you're going to pick up on uh, on the recorder. And that's why I'm less likely to believe 100% that it is the spirits of dead people. It could be. But what if it's just an extension of our consciousness and we're picking it up on the recorder too? You know, that could explain why these things are participating in the conversation. Again, it, this is all speculation. How do you prove this? But I just find it very interesting how a lot of the times the EVP tends to play right in with the conversation that's happening at that particular place in time. I'll be honest, Beth, it kind of sounds like you. Right, yeah. I, it, it, it but kinda, it wasn't, right? It kind of does. It definitely yeah. wasn't you. Yeah, but I was there, sitting there, which is weird. And I, I've known you for a while now, and I really don't know you to use language like that, you know? So <laughs> I, I could be know. wrong. But it doesn't seem like something I that yeah. I would expect you to say, let alone whisper. But again, what if you were thinking that? I, I don't know. So many questions with this. Let's play this again, regretfully. Uh, here we go. This is what Mike Brown considers the godfather of all EVPs. It's politically correct. It certainly makes you chuckle. It's great every it time. Certainly, yeah. It uh, oh my. I don't know what to make of stuff like this, but hey, it's evidence. You put it out there, and you let the audience decide. You know, so yeah. There you have it. We have uh, three more left. We have uh, one called Saint Andrews. Nobody lived here. What can you tell me about this one? Mm. Okay, yeah. So this is a. It's at the St. Andrews Cemetery, in Mount Holly, and uh, it's it's kind of a private cemetery off the road. We we that's kind of what we do sometimes uh, on the weekends. Take a nice relaxing cemetery walk, and 
And of course, when we do, I you know just happen to have some equipment in the car, so you know I'll grab the recorder and we'll just kind of take a walk around, and we'll just look at the graves and we you know we try to find the oldest part of the cemetery, of course, and see how you know what's the earliest grave we can find, and you know look at the names and stuff, and we'll recognize names that are still in the area, stuff like that. Uh, but the whole time we're just walking around, just kind of shooting the breeze and um, recording, and you know this is one of those occasions where um, I think in the clip you're looking at you're reading one of the stones and yeah this other voice comes in it seems to answer or comment on what you said seems to but we'll see what everybody thinks okay here we go let's play this clip strange Robert, everybody dies and that's it Well, now that's really interesting. Um, right before the EVP, I heard a voice say nobody. Or l let me listen again. Strange. Robert, everybody dies, and that's it. Yeah, it's almost like it sounds like a different voice that says nobody. And then I hear another voice that said nobody lived here. Yeah. Or, or I'm here or something like there's here at the end. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm here. I don't know. That That's what, but it sounds like two different voices, like you said, but that's what I, I hear. I'm, I'm here at the end. Yeah. You're sure this was not either of you? No, that's, yeah, because I can tell that's a man's voice that I've never heard. Yeah. See, I think sometimes that helps with the EVPs because I, I, um, I'll tune in psychically again with that. And that's, it's not his voice or my voice. It's a, somebody that I don't know. All right, let's play that one more time. Yeah. Strange. Everybody dies, and that's it. I hear, I'm here. Yeah, this is one of those ambiguous ones where... It's left up to interpretation, but in the beginning, though, that's the the two of you talking. You're you're conversing about yeah. something. Yeah, it's only us two there. Yeah. Yep. And you can hear that quite audibly, but then this stray voice is very quiet, and it's like a whisper. But you know, when you're doing these investigations, not to whisper. That's one of the golden rules you do on paranormal investigating. Do not whisper. Right. No whispering. Yes. And even at the start of EVP sessions, when you're about to begin, you always state your name and you state your intention for being there, right? Right. Yep. Because you, you like because the, the mindset, right, is that you want whatever could be there to know your purpose and to show respect, right? And how important Correct. is that? That that respect aspect. Do you do you think maybe when people don't show respect, that's when a lot of this craziness and this more extreme cases tend to take place? Absolutely. You know, they were human. They were human at one time. So you show everybody respect. You yeah. know, regardless of what they went what they went through. It's when you like a, another rule is no provoking. You know, like you know don't or or, or talk meanly. You know, like people will say on some of the shows. Why don't you just come up and hit me then, you know, or push me down the steps or, you know, yeah. um, you just want to show them respect because I think they'll communicate, 
better with you if you respect them and be and be kind hmm. yeah 100 percent. because a lot of times you don't know how these people die you don't know what type of life they live like you treat them like you treat people here on earth now you know with kindness can't go wrong with kindness all right the uh the next clip here is titled uh snore one doorknob is this a snore is this a doorknob what oh, what are we listening to did i send that one? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you, you sent two marked snore. Snore one and snore two. But one is doorknob, <laughs> the other is uh, boots. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, All right, so help you. I might actually have that recorder here. This is from Hillview, you said? What? No, no, not Hillview. Um, okay. Where, yeah, it's this. Not, where was it I from? was using this recorder right here. Uh, that is the, uh, was that, the Tascam? Tascam. So... The reason I show you that is it's is in order to start recording with this, you have to hold down the power button for a couple seconds. It turns on, right? Then you have to push the record button here. It goes into a record standby mode, and you have to hit record again to start recording, right? Now that's important because for both of these clips, and it was, this was a Greystone Manor, Greystone Manor, upstate, sorry, upstate yep. New York. We had finished investigating. It was like two in the morning. We were exhausted. We finished investigating. We gather up all the equipment and we just kind of like, you know, hastily throw it into onto the cases in the bedroom. And uh, as everyone's going to bed and I take the recorder, I turn it off. I hold down the power button until it goes off. I turn off the headphones. I set it on the dresser. And what I discovered when I woke up the next day is when I picked up the recorder to start recording again after we had had breakfast and we're chit-chatting for a while, I noticed my recorder is on and it's recording. And I'm like, wait, what the heck? And so I go back and I review it and then come to find out my recorder without hearing anyone on the recording approaching the recorder without hearing anyone push buttons. As you know, I mean, you've handled these sensitive recorders before. You can't pick this up while it's recording and fiddle with it without making a ton of noise, right? You never hear that. But the recorder turns on, starts recording, records three separate recordings. So twice it turned off and then started recording again throughout the night while I'm in the bed sleeping. And so it was torturous, honestly, to listen to, you know, seven and a half hours of me snoring loudly. But I'm glad I got through it because a couple of the things that I picked up on was one of them was our doorknob jiggling. And the other one was these footsteps, which we heard, which I'll get to that one when we get to that one, but it makes no physical sense. Because it was on carpet. It's carpet. And you hear them boots on wood. It, it sounded yeah. like going across wood floors. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's play the first one. This is, you, you hear the door jiggling and to recap, you're sleeping. You have no idea that the recorder's on. Somehow it turned on by itself or by an unseen force. And like you stated before, you know, you, these are very sensitive devices. You pick this up, you're going to hear someone fumbling around just to push the record button. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's play this one. This is a doorknob. All right, let me play this again. This is doorknob. So it's very, very faint. Yeah, yeah. it's not real yeah. loud. I can hear you snoring, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But I can hear a very, very faint jiggle of a doorknob. 
Now, how far away was the doorknob from the recorder? It was probably a good uh, six to eight feet, probably. And uh, and the, the recorder was facing the opposite direction as well. Like the actual microphones were actually facing the opposite direction. That's why. Okay. Yeah, because with this particular recorder, the, the microphones are on the top of the recorder. They face toward each other. But these two microphones are facing away from the from the uh, where the doorknob would be. All right, let, let's play it one more time. And uh, folks, you might have to turn this up, turn up your volume a little bit, see if you can hear this. Yeah, it's it's very very faint can, there, but it's you can hear it a little bit, yeah. But now this other clip, this is uh, in the same same night, same room. You hear bootsteps or footsteps, but Beth, like you mentioned, this is a carpeted room. Uh, there should not be loud footsteps, and this is a rather lengthy clip too. This is about thirty three seconds long. Yeah, and the and the, the thing is, and the the recorder was in the same spot as in the other recording and you can hear how faint that door handle was and it was only when we listened in the headphones and i jiggled the doorknob that i was able to match up like okay yeah it was this door when you think about that and you play this and you hear these bootsteps it doesn't make sense one what they sound like because it clearly sounds like cowboy boots on a wooden floor and the volume of it doesn't make sense either because i mean there i mean heather has her hallways heavily like padded and carpeted i mean it's if you if you stomp your feet, you're not even gonna make, be able to make a loud noise. And it would have woke you up. Oh, it was so loud. Yeah. The footsteps. Yeah. What's interesting though is you do hear me kind of turn over in the bed when the footsteps start. So I, I wonder if maybe subconsciously I did hear something because you hear me sort of ro- you know roll over in the bed at the same time. So. All right. Let's let's play this one here. Here we go. This is the bootsteps clip. Yeah, that's uh, you. You certainly hear footsteps walking around. Yeah, and they and they sound heavy, heavy footsteps too. Like there's no way you want to. And there's it's impossible because the whole place is is carpeted upstairs. Even outside of the room, that's carpeted. Yeah, in the hallway is carpeted. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. What do you make of this? I mean, did anybody else hear footsteps? Well, people who've stayed there are um, our friend Heather, who owns this. It's a bed and breakfast. Um, she, they, that's one of the things that they experience is the foot, footsteps walking down the hallway. But like you said, it can't, there's no, it's, it's all carpet. All the bedrooms are carpeted and then the hallways are carpeted upstairs. Yep. Yeah. She said she hears that often in her office is actually in the, if, if you were to come out of the room I was staying in and make a right, go a little bit a little ways there's the there's a stairwell going down if you keep going across the hallway there's another bedroom there which is also thickly carpeted Mm -hmm. but she often hears those same wooden boot steps on wood uh, just above her office which is uh, uh, underneath of that end bedroom so it's in that's right right in that same area of the hallway to that last bedroom is where a lot of other people also have recorded um hearing footsteps and stuff one thing heather does which i think is cool and is in each room 
is sort of decorated in a different theme, but she has a diary in each room where you can actually, you know, record if you had any weird experiences during the night or during your stay, you write, you log them in there. And so we were looking through through those and hearing some cool stories and there's footsteps are reported in there too. Fascinating. All right, let's play this one more time. Remarkable stuff. That just goes to show that with EVP, it's not necessarily voices that get picked up, but it's also these strange sounds, uh, ambient sounds. Yeah, 100%. And that's actually a similar phenomenon that I used to experience at that haunted house I moved into. Uh, and it was uh, several of us heard it on different times, but, but I think three to four people in total actually experienced it at different times of, of being there. And it was the same kind of a thing, you know, f loud footsteps coming from above you that sounded like, I mean, they're almost on the ceiling right above your head. They were that loud, which didn't make sense because all the walls were plaster and all the floors were carpeted. I mean, so the floor would creak, but you, would, you wouldn't you would be able to hear someone upstairs if they were walking around. Like, not, a, not at all. Because I heard, I was on the first floor and I heard him from the second floor and loudly. And almost so loud it didn't make sense. My, my brain was like, what the heck is going on? What am I hearing these footsteps from? And my ex at the time was in the kitchen and also heard it. It came running in. She's like, well, do you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, that's, like, it doesn't even make sense. How, <laughs> everything's carpeted. It's, it, you know, yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. It, it's, it's sound that's coming out of that building. It's, it's coming from that space somewhere, somehow. But it shouldn't be physically possible because of all the padding and carpet and so forth. Wow, that, that, that's amazing. Stay tuned for next week's conclusion when we get into the photo evidence they've acquired on some of these investigations. I can't wait for you to hear it and see it. You have been listening to Terror Signals with Justin Bamforth and presented by Normal Paranormal. For more on this show and other topics of high strangeness, please visit normalparanormal.org or visit the program website at terrasignals.com.